Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God here on the Searching the Scriptures radio program. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and this is a ministry of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church from right here in Danville, Kentucky. Thank you for tuning in, and we trust and pray that you're getting some help from the Bible lessons that we conduct here each and every week. This week, we'd ask you to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 51, Psalm 51, and we're going to be reading David's prayer of repentance. Now, this prayer of repentance of David's is not the prayer of a lost man who's approaching God and wanting to be saved. This prayer is the prayer of a man who already is a saint. He's an Old Testament saint. However, the Apostle Paul, when preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 13, says that those of us that believe the gospel and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ have what he calls the, quote, sure mercies of David. So David is an Old Testament type of the New Testament believer. And certainly David was the apple of God's eye, the great anointed king of Israel, and he loved God deeply. However, David stained his record and David uh, sinned grievously against the God that he loved. The reason I'm going to look at this this week is because we've been looking at, in uh, previous weeks, we've been looking at the doctrine of eternal security. And the fact that the hotly debated question of, well, once a man has been born again, can that man ever perish again? And of course, our conclusion by looking at the great promises in the New Testament is that one that has truly been born again, he has received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and has passed from death to life, been washed in the blood of Christ and robed in the righteousness of God Almighty. That man, once he is saved and been given the gift of eternal life by grace through faith, will never and can never perish. Now, I realize many people say, that's just impossible, preacher. You're, you're just saying that and you're going to get people living so careless. Well, listen to me. We have preached and proven, if you've been paying attention, that the man who is born again will never perish. However, we have never at any time given the impression or would ever desire to entangle anybody, anyone's mind by pretending that sin was not dangerous or that sin did not bring terrible consequences that even a Christian must suffer if he chooses to disobey the will of God and live contrary to the the scripture and live contrary to the laws of God after he's been saved. We want to be clear in this because uh, salvation is the gift of God through Jesus Christ and it is an eternal transaction for the believer. We do not want to give the impression that a Christian could sin openly and continually and flippantly and never suffer for it. That Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But it does not say there is therefore now no consequences to them which are in Christ Jesus. May I remind you Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. So it's possible to deceive yourself right here. We don't want you to be deceived, nor do we want to deceive ourselves. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And my friend, you may be going home to heaven because of the glorious mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ. But you sure can have a bumpy ride going home. And you can live in such a way that you lose many, many things other than your soul. You may never lose your soul, but you can lose many precious things. And David here in his prayer of repentance, after he had sinned grievously with Bathsheba and committed in a, in a 
heated night of fleshy passion, fleshly passion, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed. Listen, God was displeased with David and David's life uh, in this life, he suffered for it uh, ever after that. And so let's look at his prayer of repentance after God had sent Nathan to rebuke David and tell him, Thou art the man. David said, I have sinned. And then obviously he prayed to God and God has recorded his prayer of repentance. Here is a man. Here is what happens when a Christian, when a believer messes with sin. Here is David's prayer of repentance. Psalm 51 verse 1, the Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. Now listen, the first thing you'll notice is David is praying to be cleansed and to be washed. Why? Because David had gotten dirty. Sin always defiles us inwardly. And you say, what happened when David had sinned? Well, he lost fellowship, true fellowship with God. When you get dirty, you're going to have to get your fellowship restored. I didn't say you'd have to get your salvation restored, but David prayed, create in me a clean heart there in verse 10, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So David was praying to be clean. He was praying for being washed. He was praying to have his sins uh, cleansed off of him. Now, when a man in the New Testament gets saved and he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, he is adopted into the family of God. He becomes a son of God. Why, John tells us, uh, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And um, now are we the sons of God, he says. Now listen, you're a son of God right now. And that's, that will never change. But my friend, you can live in such a way that you forfeit your clean conscience and you forfeit the fellowship of your heavenly father. That Bible says in Psalm 66 verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. The Lord will not hear you when you are harboring sin in your heart because it dirties up your conscience. It defiles your conscience. And it, you, it causes you to lose fellowship with your Heavenly Father. Think of it like this. Imagine a daddy, and he's getting ready for church on a Sunday morning, and he's got a few sons out there, and the youngest son says to him, Dad, I want to go outside and play. And he says, all right now, you're in your church clothes. You can go outside, but you stay on the, you stay on the sidewalk or stay in the, in the driveway. Stay out of the yard because it's been raining and there's mud out there, and I don't want you getting dirty before we go to church. And that boy goes out there and he just can't resist. He's looking over there and he sees that mud puddle and he knows what his father told him. Don't get in the grass, don't get in the mud. But he thinks, I can do this and I'll be all right. But as he tries to leap over a mud hole, he slips and lands right in that mud hole. And he's dirty. And he's dirty because he disobeyed. And in he goes to the house and a little bit afraid and ashamed of himself. And you know what the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? And it's written to believers. John included himself. It says to believers this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's two things our Heavenly Father does 
when we sin against the light that he's given us and we come to him for forgiveness, he, number one, he gives a word of forgiveness, and number two, he cleanses us. So when that little boy who disobeyed his daddy and ended up getting dirty, when he comes in and bows his head there in front of his dad in shame and says, Dad, I'm sorry, I disobeyed, and I'm unclean, would you forgive me? When his dad said, Yes, son, I forgive you. That's a word of forgiveness, but that's not all that's needed. He needs to be cleansed and set right. And so that dad takes that boy in and his mother maybe and goes into the bathroom there and showers that boy up and puts a fresh suit of clothes on him. Not only has he restored fellowship with his father and been given the word of forgiveness, but he's been cleansed of the mud and the dirt that he got into because he disobeyed. But my friend, listen to me. That boy was just as much a son when he was covered in mud as he was when he was clean in that first set of clothes as well as the second clean set that he gave him. I'm telling you this, that if a Christian messes with sin, he may not lose his birthright. He may not lose his soul. But I tell you this, he can lose fellowship with God and defile his conscience. David said, wash me throughly. He says, cleanse me from my sin. Listen, the other thing is this. Look at verse 3. He says, David, a saint of God who's gotten involved in a grievous sin against God. He says, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Notice what else happens. Not only does sin defile the conscience of the believer, but it also dominates their thoughts. My friend, if you've been born again and you're harboring sin in your life and heart secretly uh, practicing sin or maybe openly sinning, I'm telling you this, that that sin will dominate your mind. David couldn't get it off of his mind. He said, my sin is ever before me. It was always there in his mind. And if there's sin in your life, it will cause you to think of it often. And it will not leave you alone until you repent and come to God to get clean. You know, I remember a young man, a friend of mine, he was several years younger than me. This happened over 20 years ago. But he was a young boy and uh, he was a Christian. uh, No doubt about it. Clean living young man. And uh, he often professed uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he had always, often he was not ashamed to talk about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And right before he graduated, he got into some trouble. Him and his buddies were out, and they got to drinking some beer, and got to goofing off and messing around with sin. And they got caught. And uh, he was going to a Christian school, and they uh, told him that uh, the punishment was going to be he was going to be suspended. And he would not allow, be allowed to take part in the uh, graduation ceremonies. And when his family returned home from the graduation ceremony, the boy had taken his life. And his note that he had left for everybody told the tale of a man whose sin had dominated his mind. And he was up and down and he says, I feel as though I'll never be able to have victory. And he mentioned in that letter, that suicide note, that he had disgraced the Lord and disgraced his family, and he was tired of living that way. Now listen, I want if you don't get anything else out of this lesson today, those of you listening to me today, if you're entertaining thoughts of suicide, you listen to this preacher. Are you listening? Those thoughts are not coming from heaven. They're not coming from the Spirit of God at all. God is the one who gives life. And God is also the only authority allowed to take life. 
And my friend, if you're considering and kicking around thoughts of suicide, you go to your knees right now and you tell God whatever it is that's causing you to be stressed out to the, to the place that you would entertain thoughts like that. No, my friend, those thoughts are not from God. Those thoughts are directly from our adversary, the devil. Because he comes to us when we're down, when we've sinned against the light and sinned against the truth, and we've found ourselves as believers uh, having sinned against our Heavenly Father. When we lose our fellowship and defile our conscience, the next thing that happens is that sin begins to dominate our mind, and we begin to lose sleep and possibly lose our sanity. Sin will make you crazy. And the adversary will come, and he will accuse you of being too far gone and crossing the line. My friend, I'm here to tell you that he is a liar and the father of it. And oh, how I wish somebody could have gotten to our friend, a saved young man who was just allowing his sin to dominate his mind and listening to the lies of the wicked one. The idea that there was no hope and that there was he had disgraced himself and the Lord so much that the only way out was suicide. No, my friend, that's incorrect. That's a lie of the devil. You say, why would, he, why would a saved man do that? Because sin grieves him. And sometimes sin will dominate your mind to the place that you are susceptible to the lies of the devil. Because he doesn't play fair, my friend. The devil is a lying scumbag. And he likes to come and accuse us and, and put imaginations and fire uh, and sling fiery darts into our mind and get us thinking wrongly about God and about ourselves and about our position. Oh, no, I'm telling you, the best thing to do is to come clean before God. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions. He owned his sin. And, you know, many times people say, I need to see a shrink or a psychiatrist. I need to go to the doctors and I need to get a pill. I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. Listen to me. Many times what somebody needs, especially if you're a Christian, is uh, you may not need, I realize, before you send me your letters and your hateful emails about how I, I'm not a doctor, I know that. And I'm not saying that there's not some people that need psychiatric treatment. There are. But I'm telling you this, Christian friends, sometimes what some Christians need is not a pill, that they need the gospel, and they need to repent, and they need to get on their knees, and they need to come clean with the holy God and quit harboring sin in their heart and just puke it out there before God and say, this is what I've been doing and I'm coming because I want to be clean. My mind is dominated by my sin. And I'm telling you, you can get more accomplished in five minutes of fervent, honest, heartfelt prayer than you can in uh, 50 hours of psychiatric counsel many times. I'm telling you, David said, my sin is ever before me. It dominated his mind. But drop down and look at verse 10. He says this in his prayer of repentance to God. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. His sin had messed up his spirit and his spirit was depressed. His spirit was depressed, so he had lost his joy. You can lose sleep. You can lose fellowship. You can lose confidence before God when you sin. And you can lose your joy. Why? Because your spirit is depressed. David was praying not only for cleansing, but for a renewal of a right spirit. And I'm going to tell you, sin will depress you if you're saved. You say, why? Because you know better. You know better. You've grieved the Holy Spirit of God, which in turn has grieved you. It makes you agitated and irritable with the people you love the most. Amen. You're snappy and you're, you're touchy and sensitive. 
and you have no uh, joy. And I'm telling you, when you lose your joy, you'll be a sorry, sorry recommendation for the faith of Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible is plain that the joy of the Lord is your strength. No joy, no strength. And friend, this, this Bible tells us that in the New Testament, we're fighting a spiritual battle. We're soldiers of the cross. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be a soldier that's going to war a good warfare and fight a good fight and stand in the day of temptation, friend, you're going to have to have supernatural strength. And part of our supernatural strength is the joy of the Lord. Listen, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And I'm here to tell you that sin will steal and rob us of joy and therefore we'll be depressed. You know what uh, is a great example of a man who uh, had every reason to be depressed, but he wasn't. And you say, who's that? That's the Apostle Paul. What a great example he is to all of us. When uh, he was lied about, beaten in the streets of Philippi in Acts chapter 16, stripped and humiliated, and then uh, taken into the prison. And after they lied about him, uh, the prison keeper, the warden, thrust Paul and Silas into the inner prison. Paul wasn't even in the general population. They put him in solitary confinement simply for being a blessing to people. And the Bible says that they locked their feet fast in the stocks. But you know what Paul was doing? Paul was not sniveling, weeping, and feeling sorry for himself and playing the victim. No, Paul was, his conscience was clear, his heart was clean. No sin had dominion over him. And instead, you find him in great strength. Because at about midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. You say, what did Paul have? He had strength, spiritual strength. Strength enough to call on God and sing his praises. And the Bible says the prisoners heard them praying and singing. And you know what the miracle is? If you study that passage, it, most people would say, well, the miracle is that God shook the foundation of the prison. And uh, amen, all of the bands were loosed and all the uh, cell doors fell open. That's not the miracle. The miracle is none of the prisoners fled. You say, why? Because there was a whole lot of strength in that inner prison where those two preachers were at. What kind of strength? Spiritual strength. Strength that comes from the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. No man, Jesus said this, no man taketh your joy from you. So you've got to, nobody can steal your joy, but you sure enough can give it away. You say, what will steal my joy? Sin is the quickest joy killer for the Christian that there is. And when you don't have joy, you'll be depressed. And when you're depressed, you're agitated and irritable and grieved. Amen. That Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. What grieves the Spirit of God? Why, filthy communication out of your mouth, anger, amen, that's uncontrolled and allowed to rest in your bosom, amen, uh, all kinds of things, whoremongering and being uh, grudging one toward another. Listen, sin will depress you. And David knew that. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You see what I'm trying to get across to you today? Oh, yes, I believe in the security of the blood-washed, born-again child of God. But I do not believe that sin will not affect you or cause you to suffer great consequences. You may not lose your soul because you're eternally secure, but my friend, you can lose much 
As we've seen, you can lose your fellowship and your confidence before God. You can lose sleep and possibly your sanity. And you can lose your joy because your spirit is depressed and your mind is dominated and your conscience is defiled because of sin. But I want you to notice, look down at verse 12. Here's what Paul prays. I'm sorry, what David prays, excuse me. I'm in Psalm 51, verse 12. What else happens to the saint that messes with sin? Well, the Bible says here he prayed and said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So you'll notice right there, he's not asking God to restore his salvation. Even under the Old Testament law, he didn't lose what he had. He just simply had lost his joy. And he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then he says, Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Listen to me. He asked for a clean heart, a right spirit, and a restoration of his joy. When his heart was made clean, and his spirit was made right, and his joy was restored, and he was upheld by the power of God, verse 13 says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. So in the condition he was before he got fixed, he wasn't going to be of any use. You remember what Nathan the prophet said to David when he showed up? In the king's palace. He said you have given. Great occasion. To the enemies of the Lord. To blaspheme. Now you know what that means. That means this. What else did David lose. Well he destroyed. His testimony. And his influence. When he messed with sin. And thereby. He lost his power to be a force. For God. Did you get that. You cannot play with sin and get away with it. Listen, those of us who know the Bible and believe eternal security is a true doctrine, that once a man's been saved, he'll never be lost. Listen to us. We do not teach, as some accuse us, that it's okay to mess with sin. No, friend, you can lose a lot. This man, David, destroyed his own testimony and lost his power to be a force or an influence for the cause of his God. And I'm telling you, friend... If you mess with sin, God will see to it that you lose power to serve him. Listen, I think of a man in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 19, a man by the name of Lot. And the Bible says that he was a just man and a godly man and a righteous man, according to 2 Peter chapter 2. And Lot uh, got in a mess. And he was living down there among all those perverts and sodomites in the city of Sodom near Gomorrah. And you know what happened when he found out about God's judgment that was on the way? Well, he goes back and he warns his family. But do you know what Genesis 19 verse 26 tells us? It tells us that he seemed unto his family as one that mocked. In other words, they laughed at him. They said, are you kidding me? You're going to come down here and tell us about God's going to send judgment? Big deal. Nobody listened to him. Why? Because he had, they had lost respect for Lot. And they had no, he had no influence on them. He had lost his testimony. He had lost respect. And he had lost power to have any kind of influence with men. And can I tell you something? Sin in a Christian's life will cause you to lose your testimony. And I'm telling you, your testimony is precious. That Bible says, let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And 1 Corinthians 9, which is often used to teach that someone can fall away and ultimately be lost, 
doesn't teach that at all. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. The same man who said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. The same one who said, I am persuaded that over there he says that he is able to keep that. I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. The same one who said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. That man, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Well, some people grab that verse and say, well, Paul was still afraid of being lost. No, that's not what he's saying at all. I just quoted you some of the classic verses of promises of eternal security that were penned by inspiration uh, through the pen of the Apostle Paul. That man believed you were saved and secure in Christ where there was no condemnation. So what's he saying here? My friend, he is saying that he was afraid of being a castaway out of the ministry. All of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is about the ministry that he was afraid he could be cast out of. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a Christian and God has given you a position of service that's, that's very visible, I'm talking now to some of you preachers and missionaries and evangelists and prison uh, preachers and all of that, I'm going to tell you something. Sin in your life can not only destroy your influence, but it's possible that it could destroy your place of service that you would become a castaway. Paul wanted to keep himself, uh, his body, under subjection to what? To the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Because Paul recognized that he had the potential to make a huge mess. And if he did that, he could lose the privilege of being an apostle. And therefore, after he had preached to others, he would be a castaway. All the influence that that would be on those that looked up the apostle Paul. You know, the truth of the matter is, you can't lose your salvation. And thank God, because if you could, you would. But I'll tell you what, you can lose a lot. You can lose your power and you can lose your testimony and destroy yourself and your place of service by messing with sin. You say, what do you mean? I mean this. I've told our church here that while I realize I, I will not lose my soul because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, I could live in such a way, God forbid, but I could go out and live in such a way that I would forfeit the privilege of being the pastor at Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church. And I would become a castaway in the ministry and no longer be able to stand and direct people and preach to others as I once did. Because I'll tell you, when you lose trust and you break trust with your people and you live openly in sin, it's going to hurt you. It's going to destroy your testimony and it's going to hurt the people that you once influenced, and you're going to lose your influence in the future. You know, it's kind of like this. Old brother Roger Hoots, he gave a great illustration one time I've never forgotten. He said, picture, if you will, a white shirt. It's a shirt that's used with a, with a suit, jacket, and a tie. But one day, he says, there's a pen left in that front pocket with the cap off, and there's a big blot of ink right there, and it blots that shirt and so it's washed in the washer and given attention. And while the shirt is made clean again, there's still a little stain there, a little blot that will never be brought out. 
Well, the man that owns the shirt will still use the shirt, but he won't use it anymore with the shirt and the tie and the jacket. Rather, the shirt might become a shirt that he would use while mowing the lawn or trimming trees. It's still a service, but it's a lesser service. And my friend, you better understand that that still is the truth. You and I can live in such a way that we would lose some privileges in this life and possibly lose our place of service. Now, we may be given a different place of service and we will not be cast out of the family of God, but we sure enough can be pulled down and become a castaway out of the ministry or the place of influence that we once held. Listen to me. What am I saying? I'm saying stay away from sin. Stay clean. Stay close to God because you cannot sin and get away with it. And while I believe in eternal security, I also believe in the consequences, the awful consequences that can come into a Christian's life, into a saint's life, if he does not walk circumspectly and walk with his Lord and Savior and walk in the Spirit. May God help you to make proper application of these truths. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.